listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Well, hey everyone, blessings on you. So glad that you can be with us praying for all of the, our people at all of our campuses and all of you online. Glad you're with us. So, some of you are familiar with this. In the late 70s, early 80s, the computing world began using a term that had never been used before. Now, the, uh, the, the statement actually was nothing new, but the, the idea of putting it in a word or an acronym was brand new, and that word was WYSIWYG. Some of you have heard of it, WYSIWYG. Now, actually what it is, it's an acronym, and it stands for the statement, what you see is what you get. Now, as it related to computing, particularly software, what had happened was, at that time, there was a massive breakthrough in that now, what you were typing on your computer, what the enhancements and the edits and everything you made, would be exactly the same as what you would see when you printed the page. Now, the funny thing is, is that, that, that like, we think about that today, and we're like, well, duh, but back then, I mean, this was like a massive breakthrough. It was an incredible thing. But the statement itself, of course, what you see is what you get, It wasn't new. It was just the, the idea of making it an acronym, WYSIWYG. The statement itself, what you see is what you get, actually has been around for a long time, and in many ways is kind of a statement about a lot of things in life. In fact, <clears throat> I would say it this way. <clears throat> this statement, what you see, or maybe we could better say what you focus on, is what you get, has been incredibly influential over the ages. Actually, it's not listed. You don't see WYSIWYG in Scripture, but it's actually a biblical principle. Take a look at this verse in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. This is now God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, you will seek me and find me. Now listen, listen. When you seek me with all your heart. In other words, what God is saying is, if you really look, If you really focus, if you zero in, if you aim in this direction, what you see is going to be what you get. You're going to see me, God says, if you'll focus on me. It's about focus. And the reason that WYSIWYG works is for a couple things. First of all, whenever you, whenever you focus, zero in on something, you will inevitably, consciously, unconsciously, in every aspect, begin to prepare for that thing As you see it, for example, if you see a truck coming at you, you begin to prepare, okay, I got to get out of the way. You may not even consciously think about it, but you're, you're moving the pieces. This is what happens when you zero in on something and focus on it. It impacts you. It becomes big enough to you that you start moving all the pieces, yourself, the circumstances, things around you, even it where possible. Now, you're not God. You can't make all things happen. But the truth is, is that what you do is, when you focus in on something and see it, you start preparing everything to go as you see it, as you focus on it. And you, so often, not every time, I understand that there are exceptions to this rule, but so often what you see, what you focus on, in the end, it's almost exactly what you get. This is such a powerful principle. So not only are you moving things around to make it happen so that you get what you're focusing on, you, you, you can't stop seeing it. It's everywhere. It's like, have you ever had a time when you, when you heard a song and you, it's like you, you get an earworm and that song just won't go away and everywhere you go you hear the song? 
When you focus, when you start to really zero in and see something, you start to see it where you, it had been there, but you, you didn't see it before. That's why God says, when you look for me, when you seek me with all your heart, you, you, you're going you're to find me. So let's be clear, this idea of what you see is what you get, it plays out in life over and over and over. It plays out in your life, it plays out in my life. I mean, you, you just think about Think about the reactions that Jesus got when his ministry really started to come to the forefront. So Jesus had been around, but now his ministry kicks in and he's doing miracles and he's healing people and he's touching lives. It's so interesting to see how people responded to the same Jesus. So, you know, he's multiplying food and healing bodies and doing all this stuff. And then he comes along to Peter and his brother. And what happens? I mean, it's, it's kind of wild, really. Listen, to this. this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. It says, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee And he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they're casting a net into the lake for, they were fishermen. So these guys are fishermen, they're just doing their job. And Jesus says to them, come follow me. And he says, I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. How how crazy is that? Jesus walks by and says, hey, come follow me. No, they had seen him. They knew about who he was. They'd seen the works that he had done, and so they, they wanted in. So they just dropped everything, and they followed him. I mean, it seems almost crazy, but then contrast that to how others who saw the same exact Jesus responded to him. For example, the religious leaders of the time, the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who were in charge of the synagogues, they had a completely different reaction with the same Jesus. So again, in Matthew chapter 12 now, Jesus, it says, went into their synagogue. He's talking about the religious leaders. And a man was there with a shriveled hand. And looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him. So the religious, the preachers, like me, they were there. And they didn't like Jesus. So they asked him, they said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, well, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable, he says, is a person, he's kind of turning to the guy with the hand, than a sheep. Therefore, he says, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, the guy with the withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Now look at this. This next verse is so powerful. It says, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Can you see this? Jesus just does a true, undeniable miracle, and someone is set free. Some guys follow him for that. Other guys go out and plot murder. I mean, it is stunning when you think about it. They both saw the disciples who came to Jesus and the religious leaders who hated him, they both saw the same exact Jesus. But their focus was different. What they saw, they saw through different lenses. The religious leaders saw Jesus as a threat. The disciples saw him just as who he said he was and who he was and what he was doing. And so he offers them a job. I want in. They just go with him. But the religious leaders, what they saw was anger and fear and aggression because they were just looking through that lens. They were afraid he was going to take away their place 
in the community. They wouldn't be the leaders they had been. They wouldn't be in charge anymore. And so what they saw led them exactly where they were focused. To anger and aggression and frustration and ultimately to plotting murder. Listen, far more often than you think, what you see, what you're focused on, that is what you get. And I think there's no place in Scripture where you see this more eloquently portrayed than in the Apostle Paul's words found in Philippians chapter 4. Now, some of you are familiar with it. And if you've got a Bible or if you have uh, uh, your phone with you and you have a Bible app on it, open to Philippians chapter 4. I just want to read a couple verses. This is so powerful. Okay, this is so powerful. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes in verse 8 and verses 8 and 9, he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, and he begins a whole litany of things, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, focus on those things. And then verse 9, he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice. Then I underline this next part, and the God of peace will be with you. He says, you you focus on the stuff of life, the life-giving stuff, that which is excellent and praiseworthy and good and right. He says, you pay attention to the stuff I've told you. You put this stuff into practice, and and, and then what? Well, we read it here. And then he says, the God of peace will be with you. What you see is what you get. So here's my question. I'm just asking you this. You think you see that stuff these days? Are you looking for the things that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable, excellent or praiseworthy? Are you focused in on those things? Are you living out what I just read, because what you see is, is what you get. And I understand, uh, honestly, I understand this is much easier to preach than it is to live. Can, can I be honest with you? This is going to sound a little complaining, um, but it's just a fact. But I know I'm preaching this, but for me, the last year and a half has been some of the hardest time in my life. And it's been that way vocationally and personally and just on... Every level, I mean, from, from deep disappointments vocationally and, and changes, massive changes on the horizon of my life to, of course, the political tensions in our nation, which have been incredible, and the pandemic and all that that has meant and being sick and, and there's just all the repercussions of decisions you have to make as a pastor. It's just been a hard year and a half. Now, look, I understand. You can say, and I would agree, there are tons of people who suffered much worse stuff than I have. I'm not arguing that. And I know sometimes we feel guilty because we say it's been hard. It's like I shouldn't even say it because there have been people who've had worse than me. We all know that's true, but that doesn't negate the pain you feel or the struggle you've been through. It doesn't negate the struggle that I've been through. I understand this has been hard. This has been a hard season for me. But this is what I know, okay? And this is really important to say. What I have to do is I have to own, in the end, what I choose to focus on. I have to own that. 
I have to own which lens I look through. Am I going to be like the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus who said, oh man, I see what you're doing and I want to follow you. Do I see through that lens or do I look through another lens that's just dark and difficult and painful and I, don't, I won't see the good, I won't see what's excellent, I won't see what's praiseworthy, I won't see the good things. Because see, in the end, what I know is true is, is that in so much in life, what you see is what you get. And I know there are some exceptions to the rules, but I'm saying this happens way more than you think it would. Way more than you think it would. The truth is, I choose whether I see light or whether I focus on the dark. Because both are there. It's like a scripture that we read a few weeks back. You may remember it in Deuteronomy 30 where God <coughs> is <coughs> excuse me, sort of speaking through Moses. And he says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And then he says, like what's obvious, now choose life. Make, make the choice for life. So here's what I want to say to all of us, and I'm preaching to me most of all. If you... If you look for life, you will see it because it is there everywhere around you. I'm talking about all those things that are excellent and praiseworthy and all the good things. If you look for it, you will see it because it is there. If you look for God, you will see Him because He is there. If you look for Him and open your heart and focus on Him, you will see Him because He is everywhere. If you look for what is pure and lovely and excellent, you will see it because it's all around you. And you and I, we have a choice. But you have to, you have to choose to see it. You have to make that choice. Because there will always be multiple ways and multiple lenses so you can look at things from different ways. You know, most Fridays, Ann and I get a real gift given to us. And this gift gets delivered almost always, to our door. And the package comes sort of as a reminder to me once again about the truth of this, this very idea. And the package that comes almost every Friday is our grandson, Abe. And he is... Abe is the best. He is so much fun. And he's the sweetest thing. You see a couple pictures of him. He's, he's just, on a regular basis, this kid is so much fun on a regular basis while he's with us, he'll come up to me. And of course, he's real short. He's like knee, knee height. And he'll come up, and he'll, he'll come up to my legs, and he'll put his head kind of between my knees, and then he'll wrap his arms around me, and he'll grab a hold of my pants, and he'll pull. And it's funny, because I have to be careful what I'm wearing at home, because this kid has pants me more than once. But what he's saying is, he's saying, will you pick me up? And so I reach down and I pick Abe up and I just hold him in tight and he puts his head in here and he just wants love and he is so sweet. You know, and I'll just put my hand up and feel that soft little kid hair and smell it and, and he's just there with me and I just love it. But after about 10 seconds or 20 seconds, 30 would be a huge amount. He's had his love and he's wiggling and he's ready to get down and I set sweet Abe down and he vanishes it's like he disappears. And in his place comes Stinker Abe. 
And I am not lying. Stinker Abe is unbelievable. The boy is incredibly inquisitive. And on many days, ordinary toys have absolutely no interest to him. They bore him. What he wants is he wants everything illegal. Electronics. He wants into every cupboard and every drawer and everything. If there is something, you think you have your house childproof? You ought to have Stinker Abe come to your house because he will prove that you do not. And sometimes when he's there, I'll literally spend hours following him around. This is my day, following Stinker Abe around. Sometimes, if you want to know the truth, sometimes a little frustrated. It's like, what happened to sweet Abe? And then the funny part is, is that he'll turn around, he'll do this for a half hour, he'll be from one thing to the next, just running, running, and I'm saving him from falling downstairs or from doing this thing or another thing. And then he'll just turn around and put his head up and grab a hold of my pants and my legs, and I lift him up. See, here's the deal, and, I, and you know what I'm talking about. I have the choice. Am I looking for sweet Abe? <coughs> Excuse me. Or stinker Abe. And I would ask you the same thing because your life is filled with all these things. Are you looking for sweet Abe? Or are you looking for stinker Abe? I have a choice in all these things, just as you do. We have choices in all aspects of life. Do we focus on the good and the excellence and the praiseworthy? Or do we see the dark and the difficult and the painful? Sometimes I feel like we watch too much news because it always aims us in the direction of dark. What you see is what you get. Almost always what you see is what you get. And I want you to understand that what I'm saying is not deny that there's darkness, not act like it doesn't exist. We understand there's darkness and we hate it, and it, it's heartbreaking, and we get that. But this principle that we're talking about, WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get. Here's a little clue. This is how we fight darkness. By focusing on the good and the light and the right, because then the peace of God is with us, and then we're stronger, we're better equipped, we're more able to fight the darkness and deal with the darkness, because, because the truth is, is that when you see the light, Darkness can't overcome it. This is what Scripture actually says. This is John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So I'm just, this is just my challenge. This is real simple. I'm just asking you to look at what you've been focusing on, and I'm asking me that too. You're looking at the light or the dark? You're looking at the things that are praiseworthy and excellent and good? Or he zeroed in on all the negative. And you actually have the choice in this. And when you focus on those things, you are stronger. When you focus on the light, when you focus on the good, you're stronger. And you're better equipped to deal with this other stuff. So, so let me just give you a couple quick thoughts. Maybe on best practices. And you have to understand, this is coming from a, a guy who's struggling with this himself. But it doesn't make it any less true. What you see, almost always, because you focus on it, it's what you get. So first thing, if you want to see light, if you want to choose that, 
Look for the opportunities that weren't there before the struggle. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes when we get hit unexpectedly by some hard thing, somebody dies and it just devastates you. Some close person to you betrays your trust in some way. It's devastating. Or you make an unbelievable mistake. You do something really dumb. And it just wastes you. And it's like everything is dark. It's like you're looking around going, everything is going to hell. It's all terrible. It's all terrible. This is what I want to say to you. I understand that and that happens. But you pick yourself back up and you start looking for light. But here's the key. What you understand is that in every dark thing that comes at us, every bad thing that comes at us, in that new thing are new opportunities that you may not have had before and that you certainly didn't see before. So you look at the dark not as an enemy, but you look where the light is peeking through. Because there, even in the darkness, are things that you had not seen before. And if you can't see these things, folks, ask somebody around you. It's, it's interesting to me because I've had so many conversations with people where they inadvertently, even as they're complaining about how bad the pandemic has been and how they hate it and everything, inadvertently they're talking about the good things that have come out of it. They're closer as a nuclear family. They're slowing down. They're savoring things more. See, there's always opportunity for good in the dark, but, but you have to look for it. You have to focus on it. And that's when it begins to change things because, again, because what you see is what you get. And then second thing, if you want to see light, if you want to see the good in that which is excellent and praiseworthy, I would challenge you to invoke gratitude. Now, what I mean by that is you don't wait to feel grateful. This is the weekend after Thanksgiving. And I would just say to you, I don't think Thanksgiving is something that should happen once a year. I think it's something that should happen on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis because, A, there's so much to be thankful for, but B, what gratitude does for us. See, this is the whole point. What you see is what you get. When you start being thankful for the good things that there are around you, does something in you. Actually, it changes you. Now, if we go back to Philippians chapter 4, and we look just a few verses up from where we read at verse 6, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, it's hard. Anytime somebody says, don't be anxious about this, and you want to just go, shut up. You know, this is hard. You feel anxiety. But what Paul's saying is, is that when you feel anxious, what you do is you go to God in prayer. And this is the key. I underline this with thanksgiving. For your prayers ever ended, you're giving thanks to God for even answering that prayer, for coming through, for being there. You're in effect saying, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what the, the answer is. I don't know how this is going to go, but I trust you and I just want to say, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. There's something that happens. Because when you give thanks, what you're really doing is you're focusing on the light. Because what you see is what you get. And so my challenge to you, my challenge to me is just, let's look for the light. Even in the struggles, let's look for the light in the dark places. Let's look for the new opportunities. And if you don't see them, as I said, ask for someone around you to share with you. This is why I think tribes are so powerful. People in your group, sometimes they'll just be able to say to you, well, 
because they'll see something you're not seeing. What you see is what you get. Sermon over. Now maybe, maybe for you, the first place you need is you, you need to start looking for God. You need to see Him. You need to make the decision to become a follower of Jesus. And you can do that. You can do that right now wherever you're at, at one of our campuses. If you're watching online, if you're listening to the podcast, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray. And you open your heart and just basically say, I believe, come in and take charge of my life. And God will do that. So I'm going to pray. And then you pray too. So now, God, we just open our hearts to you. And we ask that you, you help us to see you. You help us to see light. And there are some who right now are saying, I just want to walk with you, God. I need to give you my life and my heart. And so just pray this prayer right now. Just say, God, I ask you to forgive me. I cannot do this on my own. Just pray that. I ask you to forgive me. I can't do it on my own. And today, I tell you, I believe. Just tell him that. I tell you, I believe. Come in and take charge of my life. I give you my heart. Pray that. Come in, take charge of my life. I give you my heart. And if you prayed that prayer, you have become a follower of Jesus. And now, God, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer that they would begin to experience your hand in a fresh and new ways and may they grow their walk with you and their faith with you. May they reach out and let someone know that they made that decision. And for all of us now, I pray, help us to live our lives seeing the light and the good and the right, looking for you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.